And we are live. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenidos, señoras y señores. This is the NAI Ball Podcast. Coming to you live, it's season four, episode one. I'm your host, as always, Robbie Gutierrez, here with you on the NAI Ball Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Silverback Sports, our friends over at shopsilverback.com, at shopsilverback on social media. You need to check them out for all of your arm care and training essentials. They are an NAI-made company run by NAI coaches, and they will help you with everything you need from individual products to team orders. They're helping guys from the high school level on into the show. So absolutely check out Silverback Sports, shopsilverback.com, the official title sponsor of the NAI Ball Podcast. Robbie Gutierrez here with you at RobG1063. Thrilled to be with you here. Our first episode of the season. And before we get any further into this episode, we have to welcome on in the foremost authority on NAI baseball, Mr. Cody Butler himself. Cody, man, it's a brand new year. We had a, a little bit of a weird feel to last season. And now we're back, and, and it feels a little bit weird to be back, but boy, are we thrilled. Absolutely, man. I am ecstatic that the season's taken off. Like you said, it was a lot of weird to last season, and uh, it might be a little bit weird at first, but like once the games get rolling, as you saw with football in the fall, uh, it just becomes baseball again, and I'm super excited to be here. I'm currently posted up watching Kaiser and Weber International tonight. It, it feels good to me, man. I'm really glad baseball's back with us. Most definitely the same. You and I both watching Kaiser University and Weber International play each other from heart of Florida field at Babson Park, Florida. Uh, so definitely a good ball game there as we're watching this one. It's it's one-to-one. So we'll have to see if we can get an update by the time the, this podcast is done recording. But man, it, it like you said, once football started, it was kind of weird at first. and It was kind of funky. But then as the weeks continued to, you know, kind of uh, uh, mesh together, it all started to get a little bit better. It all started to feel a little bit more normal. And I think that's what everybody's kind of looking for at this point in their lives, in their year, is, is they just want some sense of normalcy, especially the guys who are itching to get back onto that ball field. So, you know, it's it's a little bit strange to be sitting here because the last time we were sitting here doing doing a show, it was an emergency session of the podcast in, in a lot of ways. The last time we sat down for a full show, and we were just kind of like, we don't know what's next. And then we had our show with Colton Williams. And, you know, the first time we've had a player, you know, uh, a guest co-host the show with us or anybody guest co-host the show with us. And we were talking about, we don't know what's next. And we don't know what's going to happen next or where, we'll gonna, where we're going to be. And so 10 months later, here we are. First episode of our fourth season we are thrilled to be here with you and and cody you know it's the fourth season of the podcast but correct me if i'm wrong here this is the fifth season of the twitter of you actually tweeting out and covering games and scores uh we started this up 2017 and i'm actually really excited about this year i think this is our best year yet a huge addition to our brand connor darnell uh creating content for us he's just been fantastic so i really believe this is going to be our best season of any eyeball Absolutely. Shout out to to Connor, our intern, 
uh, Connor Darnell. He's a, uh, you know, a, a, a bullpen pitcher at Columbia College in Missouri. He does a great job for us. Put out that beautiful hype video uh, for us yesterday with the editing and and everything like that. So Connor just does an absolutely fantastic job, and, and he's going to play a big role with NAI Ball this year. So we are super excited about adding Connor into the fold. We're super excited about getting back into the show here and getting back to what we really love and what we know, and that's talking NAI baseball. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. So before we get into the, our shout-outs and mentions, we wanted to take some time out here to kind of look at a more somber side of things. Uh, and first and foremost, we just wanted to say that we have continued prayers for Huntington baseball coach Mike Frame. We're glad that he's recovering back at home now. And so just continue, if you're out there and you're listening to this, continue to, to keep praying and, and keep thinking and sending good vibes to Hun- Huntington baseball coach Mike Frame. Uh, we would like to offer our condolences to Goshen Baseball on the passing of their assistant coach, Doug Wellenreiter. And then we would also like to offer our condolences and our prayers uh, to his family as well. We'd also like to offer, pray, that say that we're praying and, and thinking of uh, a program that's very close to me in my heart in, in Kaiser University on the passing of, of baseball player Derek Becker. In December, our thoughts and prayers are with the program in this difficult time. I mean, we're watching them on right now, and, and it's hard to think that that a month ago they were mourning, and now they're they're out here playing ball. So, uh, you know, a lot of heavy hearts, I'm sure, out there on that ball field. But guys getting back to to doing what they love and and doing something special. So, uh, we wanted to kind of start the show on on that note and say that there's definitely people out here who won't be a part of this season that we are thinking of and that we are praying for at this time. I want to also mention uh, Coach Mike Jacobs that passed away December 2019, a longtime coach at Mobile. We're still thinking about him this year, and uh, we just wish the best with his family, and we hope they're doing well. And, you know, we're still praying for everyone over at Mobile. Absolutely agree there, Cody. Uh, Definitely thinking and praying for everyone over at Mobile. As we go into our shout-outs and mentions here, we definitely need to give a shout-out and a congratulations to Friends Baseball head coach Adam Nesius. On his 500th career victory, the Falcons start 3-0 for the first time since 2017. Congratulations to the Friends Falcons on a quick start. We'd like to welcome to the NAI some new programs. Oakland City University enters the NAI. Westcliff University, a team that we uh, talked about some last season. They are official members this year. Eastern Oregon has joined the NAI. And then Xavier University at Louisiana is restarting its baseball program for the first time since 1960. So a welcome to all of those programs. And, you know, this is your home for NAI baseball, and we, we're thrilled to uh, share this with you and, and be along on this ride with you. Cody, man, I know there were some games last weekend. What really stood out to you that deserves a mention? There's only a few games last weekend, but some of the players were noteworthy. Uh, Ryan Bricker, the second baseman for the Masters, uh, he went four for five on the weekend, two RBIs. He actually led the team last year, hitting 349, so it's not a surprise to see him starting well. Pitcher Alec Atkins went five innings, one earned in the win. So it's just good to see the Masters start rolling off hot, because as we know, they play in a very competitive conference in the GSAC. Friends University, uh, Jared Berard, a transfer from Corbin University, he went five for 10 with a home run and three RBIs. Uh, great start to his new home. And a player I think we're going to mention a lot this year is Austin Eggleston. 
He had two saves and a win, three scoreless innings, didn't even give up a hit. Uh, he's a big-time guy. He was a starter in 2019, moved into a bullpen role last year, and uh, they expect him to be a shutdown closer this year. Did exactly that. Picked up two saves, got a win. Uh, he's everything you need in a shutdown guy. For Taylor University, a couple of pitchers that just really stood out, Joe Moran, Matt Dutkowski. They both threw shutout innings, one through five scoreless Joe Moran. Uh, Dutkowski threw six shutout innings. Ben Cobble went five for 11 at the plate with two doubles. Taylor's a program, man. They have a really tough schedule coming up. Put some big wins together. That's a team that's going to be creeping into a pole near you. Yeah, no, absolutely agree on Taylor. I mean, that that's a really tough schedule. We we talked to Coach Gould, uh, Cody, just you know maybe about a week ago, and and he's somebody that said that that this season, you know, their schedule is really tough. But he likes playing that tough schedule. I mean, they're out in Arizona right now. And we're going to talk about that. Coach Calderon Invitational here in a little bit, but they've got a pretty pretty tough start to the year. Absolutely. They really do. They start out in Arizona, as you know, and then they head down to the Southeastern Rumble and they're going to play Reinhardt, Georgia Gwinnett, and uh, just some of the best teams down south under Tennessee Wesleyan and Faulkner will be down there. This is a program that tested themselves last year. They beat Westmont. They beat Lewis Clark State. So uh, they're not afraid of the challenge. No, absolutely agree. I mean, just kind of looking at Taylor's schedule right now, kicking things off and we'll go more, a little bit more in depth into it uh, a little later in the show, but Arizona Christian, Ben Mesa back to back on the 27th and 28th, uh, you know, they're going to have to play a St. Catherine team to end that tournament. That was pretty, pretty darn good last year. Uh, but that could not qualify for postseason competition if we had any, and then they're going to head out on the road and play Bethel, Tennessee. They're going to play MoBAP. Like, like you said, that Southeastern rumble is just going to be massive, massive, massive tournament. Uh, they're going to play Judson. Who's kind of been, you know, other than the last two years, uh, a top team in the CCAC, and then Indiana Tech, who of course has has really made some waves at the national level before they get into the heart of their conference schedule. So, really, a good schedule for Coach Gould and Taylor. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can build this year and and seeing how they take to the competition in the crossroads this season. Cody, before we get any further into uh, who's in the top five, who's a preseason All-American, who we would move in and out, things like that, COVID-19, it's kind of inevitable that we have to talk about it because it ended our season last year. This is something that on, you know, as we're recording this podcast on January 26th, we are still dealing with around the nation, some places better than others, some places worse than others. I just kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit on, on your thoughts about the possible impacts or, or what could happen, what can, what can happen next, because we don't know what the NAI will be thinking. We don't know what the NAI will be doing. We don't really know what, what can happen at the end of the day. Uh, Should we see a spike or anything like that? I do have some emails from coaches talking about kind of, what their protocols would be. Uh, we'll go over some of those as well. But but just first and foremost, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts because we did see football have a really successful year as far as, as a lot of teams being able to play. Uh, I can think of Alabama. You know, I don't think Alabama had, had really any major issues. I know Texas, uh, my team, my favorite college football team, you know, only had the last game of the season against Kansas uh, that, that wasn't played. So really not a ton of major issues. And you're talking about teams of with personnel and everything, a hundred plus people, but at the same time, you know, not every luxury that they have, we have available to us at this level. 
Absolutely. Like financially, the NCAA powers of Alabama and Texas are going to be able to keep it to a standard that's at the elite level. I think this year, I think the positive sign, and people are hopeful. I'm hopeful. I truly believe we're going to see a world champion this year. I think we're going to see a uh, dog pile in Lewiston. Uh, I'm hopeful this year because we have some experience with it. Last year, last March, it was just so out of nowhere. No one saw us coming. I've never experienced anything like this in my lifetime. So I think hopefully we have a better plan on what to do, some of the situations. And I think like all these conferences are working together and a lot of these teams are working together. Just understand like, hey, we got to get these games in. So the schedules are shifted. Obviously, we're going to be playing teams a little bit closer in proximity. And we're going to do whatever we got to do to crown conference champions, crown opening round champions, and get to Lewiston. Cody, I think another part of the problem is is we really don't know a ton of finalized schedules yet. We were going to talk about this later, but I think this is a good point part to bring this up. Dak stats right now doesn't have half of the teams on it. Um, you know, as far as we thought, Kaiser and, and Weber uh, was the only game today. But as soon as I refreshed that scoreboard on Dak stats, I saw that uh, Southwest Assemblies of God Sagu defeated Arlington Baptist. So you know, we didn't know that the Masters was basically kicking off the season. Uh, you know, about a week ago because Dak stats isn't updated for a ton of teams. Websites aren't updated for a ton of teams, and I don't know if that's remote work or if that's just the fact of teams don't have their schedules together yet. Yeah, I couldn't tell you either way, but I will say it does make our job incredibly hard. <laughs> I mean, like when we don't know who's playing, there's no clear – there's not like a website we can just type in and they give you the schedule for every single team. I mean, there is essentially – it's called DAC stats. Like we're relying on SIDs and coaches to do that. So, uh, yeah, it's just really tough when you don't know who's playing. But I'm hopeful that they get it figured out. The schedules are going to be crazy this year because, like you said, because of COVID, like they're going to be weekend series canceled. It's inevitable. Like I, that even happened in all of college football. Like there were SEC games canceled. There were Big Ten games canceled. Like so there are going to be some conference matchups canceled and there are going to be some games scrapped. I think we just get in as many as we can. And like I said, and let's just get to a tournament and let's mm-hmm. just get to lose it, man. That's the main goal. Yeah, I think I think that's that's the big plan, you know. And, and kind of talking to these coaches, what's what's great is we have these relationships with these coaches uh, that we were able to email certain coaches around the nation. We emailed east to west, north to south, uh, and and we emailed about ten coaches. We were able to get some responses from all all different walks of life. You know, whether the coach be in Florida uh, or the coach be in California or in you know, Indiana or in Kansas, we were we were able to get input about what these procedures are for these teams because there's going to be people who say we should play. There's going to be people we say we should who sh- we shouldn't play. The problem is, Cody, at the end of the day, that each institution is going to have its own set of rules, and then on top of that, you're going to have to deal with municipal rules, followed by county parish rules, followed by state rules, and then we don't know with with bringing in. You know, not to get any political or anything like that, but you never know with a new administration what's going to happen uh, at a national level. So anything can happen at this point. You know, you don't know. You could change governors tomorrow and you could have new rules. Talking to some of these coaches, kind of looking at at what they were doing for COVID-19, uh, talking to this coach, he says that they are, you know, it's mandatory to wear masks and social distance at practice. They do a question and a checklist upon entry into the facility plus a temperature screening. If the player has symptoms and the the symptoms are present, 
They will test, uh, but a, te- a player can test at any time on their own. Should somebody test positive, it is a 10-day, 14-day protocol, depending on the severity of it. And then for contact tracing, just standard protocols, you know, they're they're uh and, and home games as well. They're they're doing standard protocols. CDC recommended uh, social distancing as well as wearing masks for all of that. Uh, taking a look at another coach from around the nation here. He says that every athlete on their roster completes a form first thing in the morning. As soon as they wake up on an app, the team sends that info directly to the trainers. If they get red flags for having three symptoms or two into fever, they are not allowed to participate in any form of team activity that day. And the trainer makes the decision whether or not they need to be tested as of right now, they are not testing on a daily basis unless symptoms arise on their daily form. They do have a rapid testing machine in their training room. If there is a positive, that athlete goes directly into 10-day isolation and trainers begin contact tracing. Once the athlete is through the 10-day isolation, they have seven days return to play protocol that they must complete before becoming a full participant if an athlete is found in a tracing circle, they go directly into a seven-day quarantine. After seven days, if they show no symptoms or receive a negative test, they are cleared to return by their training staff. They're not certain of all the state, county, and city restrictions, but that their training staff is keeping up with all of that and doing a fantastic job. And that's a heavy one right there, Cody. I mean, the, this team, who's actually a team playing right now, will be playing this weekend basically has has a testing machine that they can do in their own training room. Well, I mean, that's a huge benefit. That's a plus. And, you know, I'm not sure every single program across the country is going to have that luxury. Like you said, it's just going to be different. It's going to vary from conference to conference, too. I guess something we didn't mention on yet is uh, even out west in the GSAC, uh, you know, they split into two pods this year. Uh, there's one pod's going to have five teams. The other pod's going to have three teams. And those two, two different pods are not going to mix and play each other until the conference tournament. And that has to do with one pod is going to be testing daily and one pod's not. So like even just in the conference, it can vary. And I think you're going to see more of that nationally. That's a huge thing to bring up is, is that the varyingness of, of conference to conference, uh, you know, every school doing something different. And, and so I really thought that was interesting for the GSAC to say, you know, we're not going to mix these teams up until the conference championship game. So uh, I like the way that I like the fact that they're finding a way to play. Uh, I did see in California they do plan to loosen restrictions out there for the first time, really since the pandemic started. So uh, a really good sign for our friends in the Cal Pack and our friends in the GSAC who are wanting to play baseball. This coach says uh, they don't test unless they have a guy with symptoms, but they will contact trace within the program. They work out in small groups and they've tried to space out their state that they're currently in has really tough and restrictions. They just started practicing this week and are only allowed to have a certain number of guys working out at the same time. He's concerned about a positive test. This coach literally says, I am concerned about a positive test within the season and due to contact tracing and what our state mandates they're worried about not playing. And that's that's going to be a big one. That's an interesting one uh, to really hear about. That is from a coach further up north currently with a team that's just now getting out onto the ball field to try and play some 
some baseball or at least have some practice. So that's an interesting one. This last one comes from a state with a little bit looser restrictions. Uh, their daily procedures are temperature checks prior to every and each athletic event, whether it be weight room practice, uh, games, anything like that. They do test. They test the. They are testing the entire team ten days prior to the first game, and they test the entire team from there accordingly. Their procedures are just to follow CDC recommendations and seven and ten day uh, quarantine isolations. And then, as far as you know what they're doing for county, state, if they know of any restrictions that they have to follow, basically said, we're ready to play ball. We're just going to follow CDC guidelines. So, Co- Cody, I think you can really kind of tell that there, there are a lot of coaches out there just just really raring to go, really itching to go, ready to play some baseball. Yeah, man, I think they're ready to go. I think we're ready to go. And like you said, there's going to be some hiccups along the way. There's nothing we can do. Uh, you can't control COVID. It is what it is. Uh, I hope everyone stays safe. We're praying for everyone affected by it. But, uh, yeah, let's play ball. Absolutely. And with that, we will move on to our top 25 rundown, taking a look at who the top five teams in the nation are right now. So just taking a look at the top five, number five in the nation, Cody, is Tennessee Wesleyan. They are 16-6, and and if you count them, they are the current and reigning national champion. At number four is St. Thomas University out of Miami Gardens, Florida. They were 19-5 and five before the season ended. They are the unanimous fourth-ranked team in the nation. At number three is Georgia Gwinnett out of Lawrenceville, Georgia. They were 23-2 and two last season before the season was called off due to COVID. At number two is the University of Science and Arts at Oklahoma. They received two first-place votes overall out of the 19 possible. They were 18-1 and last year. And the number one team in the nation is Southeastern University at 26-1 and when the season ended. They received 17 of the 19 first-place votes from the 19 coaches around the nation that vote in the NAI coaches' top 25. This list came out November 4, 2020. Here we are on January 26th. Cody, the next poll doesn't come out till March. We've got a long way what can you tell me about these top 25 team about these top five teams excuse me that really kind of set them apart from everybody else because you've got some good teams on the outside looking in of that top five lsu shreveport faulkner cumberland's freed hardeman central methodist indiana southeast indiana tech westmont there's some good teams out there yeah absolutely and i think the top five is stacked and uh you know we'll see how the team six through 20 Five do, but man, I mean, you can add a couple of them. There's a couple of blue bloods like Faulkner, obviously. You look at teams like Freed Hardman's bringing everybody back. But man, I mean, there's a level of play. You have to play at an elite level of baseball to beat teams in the top five this year. Tennessee Wesleyan, I'll go ahead and say it. I don't believe that they're the fifth best team in the country. I think, you know, they're closer to one or two. Uh, that's an extremely good baseball team. That I mean, they have five hitters from the 2019 National Championship game back. You add in my prediction for National Player of the Year and Gary Mattis Jr., uh, that's a loaded baseball team. Uh, they have better arms than they did in 2019. So I think this year to win the national championship, you're going to have to play at a better level than that 2019 team did, and that team was really good. So I, you look at Southeastern. Southeastern last year was incredible. I mean, it would have been fun to see last year how many games would Southeastern have even lost. I mean, they were on a path to being elite. Uh, you can argue that they're a little bit better this year. They lose Zach Cornell, obviously the best player in the country, uh, but they had a lead at an incredible level. Everyone knows Coach Tinkle is an elite-level recruiter. 
you got USAO Colton Williams. Uh, he's been the best pitcher in the country for a couple of years, and that's not changing. So I'm really excited to see how this season plays out. But there's some heavy hitters there. Cody, when when you talk about Colton Williams, he loses they lose their number two. And and USAO basically had three pitchers in Colton Williams, Matt Merrill, and Gene Moutonaire that were basically would have been aces on just about 98% of Colton Williams basically at any team in the nation. Matt Merrill basically at any team in the nation, but Gene Moutonaire also at, at, at such a high majority of teams in the nation, the number, you know, their their ace. They basically had had three aces, and Matt Merrill signs with the Nationals uh, late in you know in the fall, late in the fall. So, how big of a loss is that for science and arts in trying to replace somebody that was such a big part of last year's team? Well, I mean, it's an incredible part. It's a draft arm. He's a high velo guy, like you said. You've seen him before. He's a big dude. He throws really hard. He strikes out a ton of batters. Yeah, up to ninety six. Uh, yeah, he has experience out in Lewiston. He pitched in the World Series. Dude's really good. And I mean, it's a anytime you lose an arm like that, I think Gwinnett's going to face a similar problem. They lost Hunter Peck. Anytime you lose a top arm like that, I mean, obviously it's going to hurt your team. I mean, your team's not going to be better for losing a kid like that. But they recruit at a high level. And the one thing USAO has done my entire time I've watched NAIA baseball in this state's pre NAIA ball is that team could pitch. I mean, USAO can pitch every single year. They are a good pitching team. And I have no doubts that Coach Ross is going to get someone in there to fill the job. Yeah, I, I definitely think that that that's going to be something that you know Mike Ross will do is that they will have somebody ready to step up or waiting in the wings that'll be ready to roll for USAO that'll be ready to come out and take over. It is really, really, really hard as as you and I know, but anybody in the nation knows to just say, ah, you know what, we're going to replace ninety six, ninety seven with a absolute great breaking ball and and command. Um, it's it's really hard to replace that. But Mike Ross, like you've said, has shown an ability to recruit at a high level and shown ability to recruit pitching at a high level. Uh, I agree with you. After talking with Billy Barry, after kind of looking at Tennessee Wesleyan on, on paper, and it's really easy to see on paper, they're not the number five team in the nation. I definitely think that that they're better. But I think the issue with Tennessee Wesleyan, Cody, is going to be that their schedule is absolutely insane. And so we could be looking at them with a record with a record that's not super great to start the year, something that's that's really going to make a couple, couple people go, how are they rated so high in the nation if they are to falter a little bit? Because just looking at their schedule, they, they're going to play Uno, they're going to play Campbellsville, Georgia Gwinnett, Mobap, Georgetown, Cumberlands, Indiana Tech, Georgia Gwinnett again, Reinhardt, Martin Methodist, Brian, Montre. I mean, that's a pretty good start to the schedule. And that first 15 or so games is going to be really, really, really tough for them. Yeah, that's an extremely tough February for anyone. It's the best February in the country this year. Uh, it's a stacked schedule. I actually don't think they're going to falter that much. I mean, I'm not, I understand. And you speak with Coach Barry, and it's, you pointed out too, it's the truth that if they do lose some games, you look at their record. Well, it's like, well, we knew who they played. And, uh, and you know me, like I'm the same way in any sport. I'm a big strength of schedule guy. Like I don't care if you're 17 and 0 and you're not playing nobody. Like, you know, if you go 14 and 3, you go 13 and 5, you know, whatever you got to do to play the best teams in the country and win some games. And I think they're going to do it. I really think that this is a really good team this year. I think they're going to be better on the mound, like I said. Uh, you talk about Bryce Giles comes back. We haven't even mentioned him. Bryce Giles was a World Series MVP in 2019. Didn't play at all last year. And uh, he's a guy that's going to hit near 400 and, really lead this team. 
Uh, Carson Ford, a big transfer from Western Carolina or Western Kentucky, excuse me. Uh, he's a really good player, probably going to hit two hole for them. I, I'm really high on them. I'd like to get your thoughts on St. Thomas too, because when you look on paper, St. Thomas, like a lot of these teams with COVID this year, they bring a lot of people back. I mean, they have a lot of returners. I mean, they have some really good players. Ernesto Pino is one of the best pitchers in the conference. He'll probably win conference pitcher of the year, if I had to guess. And uh, just some really good players over there at St. Thomas. That's that's the exciting thing about this season is that there are so many teams returning big time players this season. Uh, that's that's the best part is when you look at it, there are so many teams returning studs and aces and power hitters and big time names. Look at Wayland Baptist returning Luis, you know Luis Vargas coming back who. You know, was was basically Cody pretty much on pace to break some major records in the NAI that have stood for a while. Uh, St. Thomas loses a big arm. They lose a big arm in Murphy Andrew. Uh, Andrew was three and zero, had uh, a really low opponent batting average because he was throwing so hard. He's a pickup of the Boston Red Sox, and he's made some waves in that organization as an undrafted free agent signing. They have a lot of good returners at St. Thomas. Uh, I'm really excited for Coach you know, Betas and JC over there to have the guys that they have back in, in Pino. Like you said, uh, he's, he's a big time guy, a big time arm, 40 strikeouts last season in 29 innings pitch. They're going to have their closer back in Grania. Uh, Daniel Mondahar as well behind the dish hit 400 plus last year. So they're going to have some good players, but then they're bringing in a lot of guys. And that's the, that's the other part, Cody, is that teams are returning such good players. And then they're bringing in players as well that are notable, that have done some big things, that are that are going to make a lot of uh, contributions this season. And so it'll be interesting to see how St. Thomas kind of handles that. I think one guy that will is is kind of at the shortstop position for them in Josue uh, Rangel from St. Petersburg College, hit 385 at St. Petersburg and uh, also had some stolen bases. They've got some D1 transfers from Florida International and then some kids, you know, coming in from the JUCO level. So I'm really interested to see how they look. You know, we didn't even get to talk about Robert Turan, who is, you know, one of the guys that that they really are high on as a potential uh, pick, whether it be in the draft or as an undrafted free agent. So I think that this is going to be a deeper pitching staff than they're used to and that's something to say because this is a team that a few years ago making a world series run had an extremely deep pitching staff uh but i think that there's going to be a lot of depth but you can say that with just about any team in the nation yeah i couldn't agree more you know excited to see what coach Sheetinger does with Gwinnett in his second year uh Gwinnett obviously on paper every year they look really good uh shortstop Gabe Howell is one of the best players in the country no doubt about it uh, Hunter Dullinder is a guy who's pitched in Lewiston a couple of times, two different years. So I'm excited to see what Gwinnett has. I'm excited. I mean, obviously they were rolling last year. It's a team that lost two games to Southeastern to start the season down in Florida, and then they didn't lose again. I mean, they racked off, what, 19, 20 straight wins. So uh, I'm excited to see what they look like this year. Like you said, they lose Alex Cook. They lose Hunter Peck, two incredible arms. Uh, they brought in a D3 kid, Hab, that's a really good pitcher. Uh, I haven't seen him yet. I'm really looking forward to seeing him in person. But, uh, yeah, I mean, all of these teams in the top five are – I mean, I really think they're all going to go to Lewiston. I would be really shocked if they didn't. And the, the one team that we're not talking about, and it's just because they're not ranked in the top five right now, is Faulkner. And, you know, we have a saying here. You can finish it out for me. But uh, 
I, I believe in them too. Yeah, death taxes and Faulkner to the World Series, and and that's the way it's been uh, for for a lot of years. And and just to go back really quick about Hab, you know, and speaking with head baseball coach at at George Gwinnett, uh, Coach Schinger, he really believes that he's gonna that Hab is gonna be a good piece. I mean, he's he's talking about the ability of of Hab on the mound to just be able to be a competitor. That he's a plus competitor. He's got a decent off speed pitch. He's got a good fastball that's going to sit in the low nines, you know, that can touch in the middle. So uh, I'm definitely, you know, pretty excited. You're going to get to watch him a lot sooner than I, before I am. So I think that's going to be a big piece for Georgia Gwinnett. I think Faulkner is going to be an interesting one to watch. It'll be interesting to see how many, you know, how they, how they go out there and do uh, this season, because that's a team that you're so used to ending the year. When you look at them ending the year, in a spot in the top five. And so to see them at seven, you know, isn't like it's, it's not going to destroy the world, but most of the time that is a team that McCarthy has that is inside of that top five competing for a national championship right there on the verge, right there on the edge. And they had a really good year last year, 18 and four. I think Faulkner can do that a lot of it again this year. So it'll be interesting to see Cody. Other than that, I know we didn't really prepare for this earlier, but one team, six through twenty-five, outside of Faulkner, that that just kind of jumps out at you. Is it Freed Hardeman? Uh, for for me, it might be Oklahoma City. I, I want to see if they can have an improvement on the pitching side of things because we all know that Oklahoma City can hit. I think Cross Factor is going to be a, a major piece this year, as well as well as Gunnar Halter. If OCU can, you know, improve on that on that pitching side, improve on the bump be better at throwing strikes, be better at getting guys out. I think Oklahoma City University as being the blue blood that they are, the most wins in college baseball since 2001 out of any division, uh, will make a lot of waves around the nation in the Sooner Athletic Conference because that's another team that's hanging out at that 16 spot at 17 and 8 that really traditionally is better than that mark. Yeah, absolutely. Oklahoma City, you know, they get the big-time transfers. They get the kids they need in there that are super talented. And I think they'll bounce back. I think they'll have a really good season. Uh, to answer your question on a team who I think is going to – and they've been to Lewiston the last couple of years. It's no surprise. It is Freed Hardeman. I mean, they bring back so much talent. Josh Sears, uh, three-time preseason National All-American, one of the best players in the country. Uh, Zach Sanders was incredible as a freshman in 2019. He hit 358. Uh, and then some of, just some of the players, Will McCall, as a really good hitter. He hit 415 last year. And then uh, you bring in Zane Willems. He's a kid that started 20-plus games at Texas Tech. He's going to be their catcher. So, I mean, obviously, he's going to be super talented there. Their rotation is insane. Uh, we It's the same guys that have been doing it, Alex Huey, uh, Sawyers. They got Connor Creasy back. Uh, they got Steele back. I mean, this is a really good pitching staff. These are guys that have pitched a lot of innings in Lewiston, and I just I think that they're going to win their conference, and I think that they're going to get back there. Yeah, Coach Estes, you know, is, is going to put a competitive ball club out there on the field, and, and that's – that's exactly the team I was thinking six through 25 as well. Uh, if it wasn't OCU is going to be Freed Hardeman that, that we could see in that top five. Uh, OCU of course, having to make a lot of improvements on, on the pitching side of things. Cody, just looking at the top 25 in the receiving votes category, who do you think is a team in there that, that can make a, a make a jump for you? into that next top 25 that we won't get to see for almost 60 days, but, but who do you think it will be? We're answering this question as if it's coming out in two weeks, right? Cause we're thinking of the early schedule, but like you said, it comes out in a month. So it's really hard to tell. 
I mean, a team like Taylor, Campbellsville, you go down to Lawrenceville, uh, you go to Waleska, you get a couple of national wins. Absolutely. One team that, that kind of jumps out to me that, that added a lot of talent in the offseason is going to be Weber International. Obviously, I'm, I'm with you on the Taylor and Campbellsville. Every year I keep my eye on Texas Wesleyan. Weber International added a lot of talent uh, last season or in the offseason. So I'm interested to see, just kind of looking down that list, though, Wayland Baptist would be another team that I think jumps in there if they're able to get that hot start to the season that they had, you know, going into last year. If some of their bigger name players are able to, you know, continue those big stretches and don't have any slumps. They have the talent. I mean, they certainly have the talent, Wayland Baptist. They have the arms. I mean, you look at guys like LJ Diaz and then some of their players, you know, Ozuna. Uh, Luis Vargas, I mean, they have the talent. I mean, they score some runs. They just got to put it together every single weekend. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And then IU Kokomo, I've had a couple of coaches now tell me that IU Kokomo might have one of the best pitching staffs in the nation. We don't exactly know what's going to happen with them yet uh, with, you know, what's going on in Indiana and, and being kind of stringent uh, as far as the way that the uh, IU system handles each campus differently so we're hoping that they'll be able to get some ball played soon but it'll be it'll be something because we know for a fact that IUS just started to practice last week so it'll it'll be interesting I'm I'm really interested to see who can jump in there but for the time being this is the top 25 basically for almost the next 60 days no matter what happens to start the year Moving on, let's talk a little bit of All-Americans, and we'll start with what the NAI committee chose as the 2020 Baseball Preseason All-Americans. This list is from the NAI in the list that they put out. The starting pitchers are as follows. Mason Schwellenbach, a senior out of Saginaw, Michigan, from Central Methodist University. Starting pitcher Alex Huey, a sophomore out of Columbia, Tennessee, and Freed Hardeman University. Starting pitcher Colton Williams at a USAO in Oklahoma. Colton is a senior at a Houston, Texas. And then starting pitcher Chris Wall at a Columbia, a junior out of Wentzville, Missouri. The relief pitcher is Jose Diaz, a senior out of Cuba. He represents Our Lady of the Lake University in San Antonio, Texas. Cody, these are the starting pitcher ranks. Chris Wall, Colton Colton Williams, incredible years last season. You know, if there were anybody that you felt that was maybe passed over at this position or that you would have voted for differently for an All-American, should you have gotten a vote? Well, I definitely should have gotten a vote to answer that question. <laughs> and uh, Kenny Otero, a Central Methodist, I don't know if they didn't want to just double dip with two Central Methodist pitchers, but uh, he was phenomenal last year. Uh, he's a guy who's a D1 transfer, correct me if I'm wrong, Abilene Christian, I want to say, and uh, just been sensational. Uh, really good player. He's actually a two-way guy. He hits for them too. But yeah, he's a guy I thought that probably should have been on that list from a pitcher standpoint. Yeah, no, I'm I'm 100% with you on Kenny Otero. I mean, l- you take a look at Otero's line last season, 5-0 and in six starts, two complete games, you know, one shutout, 0.79 ERA, 34 innings pitched, you know, 30 strikeouts. So he did not strike out a lot of people, but only allowed an opponent average of 200, did not allow pitchers to come around and score uh he's a starting pitcher that i would have had on the list um the other guy that i would have had on the list really was a true freshman that was just absolutely incredible last season which is out of bruton parker 
in Ben Harris, who had just such an incredible year. Uh, 0.75 ERA, six starts, two complete games, one shutout, three saves, 4-0 on the bump, 36 innings pitched, 48 strikeouts, an opponent average of 180. This is somebody that, you know, for a true freshman to go in there and do those things at, at Bruton Parker has to be, a you know, is, is an absolute huge deal for them. And head coach Aaron Larson has to be absolutely thrilled. I know he's absolutely thrilled. And this is a guy that's going to keep getting stronger and better uh, velocity-wise, you know, with a good breaking ball. So Ben Harris is is definitely a guy that I, I would have probably voted for should I have gotten a vote. And, you know, Cody and I don't get votes before anybody out there really thinks that, thinks that we do. Um, and then I would have added a, a second slot if I could have added a second slot for a relief pitcher. You know, Cody, in my my own opinion, it would have gone to Lewis Clark State's guy in in Greg Blackman, who had a .41 ERA in three three and you know record eight games pitched, all of them coming out of the bullpen. He threw twenty two innings, had three saves. He's not really, you know, he led the team in saves. He's not their really dedicated closer, or at least that's the position that he wasn't listed as last year, uh, struck out 22, but he was kind of their long relief stopper. And so he had an incredible season coming out. Anytime you have a guy like that coming out of the bullpen, I mean, that's always something that that's special. Absolutely. He made our all NAIA ball team last year. Cause like you said, he was just a true reliever. Like we had a, we had a closer and this guy was just a true reliever. Uh, they would pitch him anytime they needed just to get outs. And he was incredible at doing that. And just a note on Ben Harris, which makes him really special. Uh, he's a good hitter, too. He hits for them as well, another two-way player. He hit north of 300 last year. Uh, so that is a kid to watch in the future. Reminds me of, I know a couple of years ago, there was a kid by the name of Seth Graham. Uh, was a really good player for Bruton Parker as a freshman. So I like how they get kids straight out of high school that are ready to contribute right away. Continuing on uh, with our list here, we're going to take a look at catchers only here. Andres Ugarte for Reinhardt out of Venezuela, a senior, is – Listed as a 2020 NAI coaches all uh, all American in the preseason, as well as McPherson senior out of San Diego, California, Trevor Johnson. So, Cody, that's the catching core is Andres Ugarte and Trevor Johnson uh, from Reinhardt and McPherson, respectively. Yeah, both of those guys have been incredible players. Uh, Trevor Johnson was outstanding last season. Ugarte uh, had a great year in 2019. Uh, so both these guys are super talented and there are really no issues there. A guy I think who could have an outstanding season, I mentioned him earlier, is Zane Willems. But uh, yeah, I, I like the selections at catcher. There's no issues here. Yeah, Trevor Johnson with 42 hits last season. Moving on, let's take a look at the infield at first base. Mitchell Lundholm, the senior out of Plymouth, Massachusetts, represents Fisher. At second base is Clayton Sorrell, the sophomore out of Rio Grande. At third base is the LSU Shreveport product, Peyton Robertson, the senior out of Orange, Texas. At shortstop is the Southeastern product out of St. Charles, Illinois, the junior, Sam Faith, the junior out of Ash Burnham, Massachusetts, and Kaiser University is the utility player, Tim Bouchard. And then the designated hitter, who feels like he's been the designated hitter on this list for the last, what, Cody, like, four seasons basically out of Huntsville, Alabama. It's junior Josh Sears representing Freed Hardeman. Cody, that's your infield utility and designated hitter. Yeah, Josh Sears, big fan of that guy. I've been a friend of him since he's a freshman, incredible player. 
uh, guy hits absolute tanks. I think, you know, if we're just going to shift topic really quick, I don't want to say snubbed, but a couple of players that definitely I felt I can't believe that they were not mentioned, Griffith Olin, and I don't want to take yours too because there's two obvious ones, but Griffith Olin at Central Baptist, I mean, he hit 471 last year with 13 home runs, and, like, we had a COVID season. Kid quit playing in March. I mean, he was absolutely incredible. One of the best players in the country, uh, and he's back, and he's going to be one of the best players in the country again. Super talented player. And then Mike Schneider, the second baseman, very limited sample size last year, but he hit 10 home runs in 18 games. I mean, he's hitting 400. Mike Schneider's another guy that's going to be back for Indiana Tech, and he's a really good player, and he would have been my second baseman. Absolutely. Yeah, really, really on this list, kind of kind of take your pick. There's, there's guys all over the field that you felt like could have been there in that moment for you. Uh, one of the guys that I really kind of – locked in on right away is going to be uh I think Sergio Macias would have been a guy that that had an opportunity uh to be on that list but at the same time I think that there's just multiple players that I can go with just just taking a look overall on the season uh I think Cody Muncie from Oklahoma Wesleyan you know uh deserved to to get a, a little bit maybe a little bit more of a look than he did I think that Cross Factor, the Oklahoma City product in the outfield, you know, deserved more of a look than he than he really got. When when you look at things like that, Cross Factor at the end of the year hitting 364 with 12 home runs and and 46 RBIs. So there's there's definitely a lot of guys uh, around the nation. Sergio Macias, like I said earlier, had 11 home runs last season. He hit 385, 32 RBIs. So there, there's just so many guys around the nation. It, it's so hard to put together this list, but at the same time, there were some guys where you kind of look at and you're like, man, that was, that was, that's a tough one not to have out there on this list right now. Absolutely. And Macias is a guy that's been incredible. Like you said, he was their closer last year too. I mean, he had a game last year where he hit a home run, hit the game winning home run and then finished Oklahoma city off with a save. I mean, he's a special talent. Uh, really good player. He's going to hit and pitch for them as well this year. And uh, that's kind of, you know, start to notice that's kind of a thing at Central Methodist with Schwellenbach, Otero, and Macias. They like to do it both ways there, which is, you know, it's resourceful. I like it. Absolutely. And, it, you know, Cody, another guy, just, you know, I was talking about Oklahoma City earlier in the offense that they had. I mean, Gunnar Halter hit 426 with six home runs uh, last season, had 40. Uh, 40 hits on the year, you know, at an infield position. So there, there's multiple players around the nation that, that you know, you have to wonder how much consideration or, or look exactly did they get. When we talk about the outfield, though, Cody, I think that there's a lot of, of solid players in this outfield lineup. We'll start it off with the senior out of Aruba and the University of Science and Arts at Oklahoma. It's outfielder Luis Palau, a senior out of Nacogdoches, Texas, and Benedictine in Michael Slayton, a senior out of Lewes, Delaware, in McPherson. It's Kyle Lux. And then the junior out of Boston, Massachusetts, in Wayland Baptist, Luis Vargas Cody. I mean, this is a pretty solid outfield. Michael Slayton's a hitting machine. Luis Vargas is a monster. Kyle Lux is a hitting machine. Luis Paleo gets it done at the plate and very well defensively. Yeah, is there a more under-the-profile superstar than Michael Slayton? I mean, that guy, like, hits 450-plus every single season. And, like, he is just a consistent, incredible hitter at this level. 
Like, I don't know what his future holds, but, man, it seems bright because he is a true elite hitter. And then when you look at this, like, Luis Vargas, I don't even know. Man, that guy is special. 495. I mean, you look at the home runs he hit last year, but he hit 495. That is just insane. You want to see, can he do it again? You know, that's the question. Can he do it again? I don't know, but I, I really hope so, man, because that guy's a special talent. He's an incredible person. We've got to speak with him a couple of times. A uh, great guy. We're rooting for him, and uh, he, he can hit, man. That's a, it's a special player, and uh, I'm really glad we get to see him again. You know, you were you were talking about Michael Slayton. Uh, is, is there a bigger under-the-radar superstar at this level? And you're 100% correct on that, because if you look at his career average, Cody, his career batting average. Do you want to give me a quick guess at what you think his career batting average is? North of 400. It's got to be north of 400. It is. And and granted, there have been some times in there where he's not played 30-game seasons, whether it be due to injury or anything like that, and still put up monster numbers. Uh, but he, he's a career 437 hitter. Yeah, A man, career 437 hitter, man. That's insane. That's insane. I mean, the guy – and he hits for power, too. I mean, didn't he have like a 10-plus home run year? I mean, the guy's got pop. He's he's a really good player. I mean, he is a really good player. Yeah, I mean, as he enters what what would be his fifth season in, in three of his first four have been, you know, 10-plus home run years. So he's a guy that's going to get a lot of hits. He's, you know – whether it be for injury or or any other reason, you know, he he has not gotten a lot of at-bats in his career. Uh, you know, he's only had two 100-plus at-bat seasons. But the fact of the matter is that this is a guy that's slugging 877. He has an average of 437, and he's got an on-base percentage of 530. 43 career home runs, 150 career RBIs. 391 total bases and he's one to one. This is my favorite thing about him. You know, he's one to one in walk to strikeout ratio, which is hard to see for a guy at this level that, you know, is successful at hitting the ball because a lot of times you're going to get guys that just try to mash everything and they're going down swinging more times than not. So, I mean, he's he's definitely been under the radar, you could say, at, at Ben U, uh, quietly doing what he does because he does not get a ton of at-bats in a year. He's only had 200-plus at-bat seasons, but those averages, those numbers, they're all there, and I'm really excited uh, to see what he can do this season. Uh, another guy that you talked about earlier that, that really – for the infield probably could have gotten a little bit of a, a bigger look was if we're just going off of, off of hits and average 17 games, Gary Mattis, four forty six average. Oh, that kid is special, special talent as a D one transfer, big time player. Uh, you know, coach bearing them. They love him over there. They think he's going to do big things. And uh, yeah, last year you just, eye-popping and just the way he started the season I mean he started the season like nine for ten or something like that it was just incredible yeah he's a big time talent I mean you start like watching some of his tape he's a super talented player and like I said I mentioned it earlier I think he's going to be he is my prediction for national player of the year and and that's a team that has a guy like Bryce Childs who's would be the best player on every other team in the country I mean he's incredible too so uh, just this list is really good. I will say, uh, Luis Paleo from USAO. I watched a game last year uh, against LSU Shreveport. He plays out in left field. 
uh, threw a guy out at the plate, came back in in the inning, hit a home run, and then the next half inning threw another guy out at the plate. I mean, the guy is special. That's a talented player, and he stood it on the big stage on Lewiston as well. Yeah, I mean, when, when I think about that list and I think about defensive outfielders, that's that's the guy that comes to mind. But at the same time, that's a guy that can put the ball over the fence, deliver that big hit that's going to hit in that middle of the order for Mike Ross at USAO. Really quickly, Cody, before we move on to kind of our rundown of next week, or of this weekend at least, uh, is there a more crowded position, do you think, to, to get players in on this list? What's more crowded? Is it outfield or first base? Yeah, man, I would probably go outfield just because there's so many outfielders across the country, just pure numbers. Yeah, there's there's definitely, and, and that's the great thing is we were talking about it earlier, is there's going to be so much talent coming back. We've got talent coming in. Uh, I think that this is going to be such a high level of baseball played this season that I'm I'm extremely excited for what we have coming up. Moving on here to what is – up ahead, really quickly, let's jump into some notable weekend matchups that are coming up around the NAI. First and foremost, it's going to be Friends taking on Texas A&M University at Texarkana. Wayland Baptist opens their season against a good Mid-American Nazarene team. Our Lady of the Lake will take on USAO. Southeastern University versus Columbia International. Thomas in Middle Georgia State. And then University of South Carolina Beaufort takes on Milligan. So, Cody, there are some notable matchups this weekend, but our eyes will really be fixated on the Coach Calderon Invitational out in Arizona. And the tournament begins tomorrow. This podcast won't come out till Thursday, but the tournament begins on Wednesday. And because of some rain in the forecast, that schedule continues to move around, change things up. There will only be two games tomorrow on Wednesday, Midland versus College of Idaho, Arizona Christian, and Taylor. That's a big one. That's going to be a big nightcap, Uh, 8 p.m. local time there in Arizona. I think, Cody, that this is going to be a really interesting tournament. Looking at the teams in this tournament, College of Idaho, Midland, Taylor, San Diego Christian, Arizona Christian, Ben Mesa. Oklahoma Panhandle State, Ottawa, Arizona, and St. Catharines, California. Can you give me some thoughts really quickly on on this this tournament and kind of what you're looking for or anything that you're excited to see? Well, we mentioned them in passing. I'm actually excited to see what St. Catharines does. They were a really good offensive team. I mean, they put up staggering offensive numbers out there last year. Like this wasn't like some first-year program that like, oh, we're just going out there and getting rolled over. No, they were swinging the bat, and they were dropping 12, 13, 14 runs on people. So I'm looking to see how St. Catherine does. Obviously, some stiff competition they're going to have to play. Uh, Taylor and Arizona Christian, That's a, those two teams, you know, they tangled last year in the final out there. Uh, they're going to match off again. Don't want to go on it too much because, like you said, it comes out Thursday, and the game will already been played. But uh, Ben Mesa's a team that's always top 25 material. Arizona Christian's top 25 material. Taylor's trying to get into that mix. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really good set of games. And I'm looking forward to seeing who comes out on top again this year. Arizona Christian, you know, last year they held serve. They did their thing at home. So let's see what they do in 2021. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I, I think, you know, I wish that Arizona Christian Taylor game was coming out on, on Thursday so we could go just a little bit further into detail on it. But by the time this podcast comes out, they will have played already. Uh, but Ben Mesa and Taylor is going to be a good one. There's some really good games. I love this idea because – 
if you remember, Cody, at the beginning of the show, we talked more and more about some of the teams joining the NAI, and, and the NAI on the West Coast continues to grow. Uh, there's there's some new teams on the West Coast of the NAI. I think this tournament is great for that. Uh, Westcliff, of course, out in California, and then Eastern Oregon. So as the NAI continues to expand westward, I think it's going to be good. I think this is a good way for some of the best teams in the West Coast to offer ways in for some of the best teams around the nation to come down. Last year, this tournament was incredible. LCSC, Westmont, Taylor, you know, uh, I think this year it's it's really, really good. So I'm excited to see what this looks like, uh, you know, as this tournament continues to grow, as uh, we continue to see more and more tournaments popping up around the nation, like the Southeastern Rumble that will have really good baseball teams in it. These teams need to get out. They need to play each other. We need to, you know, I know traveling is expensive. It's hard, especially during a pandemic, but you know, they're, they're making it work. And, and I'm really excited to see some of the best teams out in the West coast go at it. So this will definitely be a good tournament here and a lot more to come. Cody, man, before we get going, we make championship predictions Right now, I also need, you know, I, I know you've said it a couple times, but I need your 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 MVP of the league. And then, you know, just if if you want to go into uh, who you think that'll be and who your World Series champion prediction is going to be. Okay, so I, I'm actually going for the repeat. It's kind of a thing in the NAI. LC was really good at it. Uh, I'm calling Tennessee Wesleyan. And, you know, if you were going off last year, I thought Southeastern was the best team in the country. And I, you know, I, so it's not like I thought, I thought Southeastern would have won the World Series last year. You'll never know. It's just speculation. But I think Tennessee Wesleyan this year is really good. I think they're going to be better than 2019. I think that coaching staff thinks that they're going to be a little bit better than 2019, maybe if they put it all together. And that 2019 team was really good. But just you look at the, some of the players they return. I mean, they return the catcher, Shumway Christopher. They return Alex Flock, and he was incredible last year. They returned Rodriguez. They returned Bryce Giles. And that's the big piece. They didn't have Bryce Giles last year. And that was a huge loss missing him. I think this is a team that is going to be extremely good offensively. I think they're just going to outscore you. That's really how they win the World Series. Uh, I mean, obviously, Cole Belair was an ace. He went out there and did his thing. But then they just outslug you. And I think that's what they're going to do to people this season. I think their rotation can be really good, though. Uh, Kobe Foster is a really good left-handed pitcher for them. Nick Hollis, he was a guy that was hurt last year. They had him on the team last year, couldn't pitch him. He was hurt. Uh, he's going to be a big addition to this team. Irving Martin, he was a guy that beat Gwinnett twice in 2019, won a game in the World Series, closed off the World Series, got the final out of that video. We like to circulate around of them dogpiling. That was him getting that out. Uh, so, I mean, they got some really good arms. And like you said, Gary Mattis. To me, Gary Mattis is arguably one of the most talented players in the country. Uh, he had 446 last year, four home runs. He stole eight bases. He's going to hit 12 home runs possibly, and he's going to steal upwards of 30 to 45 bases. I mean, anywhere between 30 to 40 bases, I think he's going to get it. I think he's going to hit north of 400. Uh, I think he plays in a lineup that's going to be incredible for him. I mean, you look at the people that are going to be hitting in front of him. I mean, he's got Bryce Giles in front of him. He's got Carson Ford. Carson Ford's a really talented player. They're extremely high on him. He's going to guys that hit top of their order. I mean, you're looking at going from Bryce Giles to Carson Ford to Gary Mattis. I mean, good luck. And then you, I mean, you have to go down to their lineup. You got Christopher, you got to pitch to. You got Alex Flock, you got to pitch to. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think they're stacked, and that's going to be my pick. 
I think that's a great pick. Uh, you know, obviously I made that pick two years ago when they were ranked 12th in the nation and they ended up winning the national championship. Uh, and and just looking at them on paper, they look incredible. And, and everything you just went over, they look like a team that that's going to really go out there and play some great baseball. For myself, I'm going to go with Southeastern. I think that they return nearly all of their team in 2020, and they do return all of their tw- team in 2020. Their pitching staff returns just about all of their key dudes. Alpesto, if he's healthy, is going to be a big piece in that bullpen. They get a couple of you know, uh, transfers as well coming in that will have a big impact for them. Offensively, they lost a couple of guys that are hard to replace. That's going to be the biggest part, Zach Cornell, Martin, things like that that are going to be really, really hard to replace. But one thing I know is that they are going to bring in guys every single season that can play. So just looking at it right now off the top of my head, you know, in in the outfield, you're probably going to get Thomas Broyles, who's a Missouri transfer. You know, you're going to get Austin James in the infield as well, a Missouri transfer. You know, they've got guys like Anthony Carrera who are going to transfer in from Tennessee Tech that had, you know, incredible seasons at the Division One level, who had a, a, a multi, a 10-plus home run year at Tennessee Tech. So they're going to get good players to come in from, you know, across the nation, from all levels of baseball. They're bringing in 18 really good dudes. I think Southeastern has loaded is was loaded before, even with the three bats lost, and they have just done nothing but absolutely – Reload. Sam Faith, 455 last season, 40 hits, six doubles, five home runs, 25 RBIs. Colton Onstott, 447, 38 hits, nine home runs, 34 RBIs. You know, you've got Nick Batari. He can he can hit. I mean, he can just absolutely hit. He's from the national championship team. Uh Pedro Castellano in the infield as well, who had 10 home runs, 29 RBIs. And then Looking at the returning pitching staff, that does not include Alpesto, who's going to bring the ball in the mid to high 90s. You know, uh, you've got Bryce Mulcahy, who went 5 0, Ryan Munoz, who went 5 0, Mark Soto, who went 4 0, and Brendan Heiss, who went 4 1. Soto, Munoz, and Mulcahy, all, all of those guys had sub three ERAs, you know, with basically 18 plus innings pitch. Munoz and Mulcahy, with 20-plus innings pitch, Mulcahy is going to be a big arm in that rotation as well. But you're going to look at – they're going to have guys who are going to come in that were transfers come in and be big pieces of the rotation as well. So, I mean, I'm just really excited to see what they can do. For player of the year, I've kind of gone back and forth on this. You know, I thought, well, Sam Faith could be a guy that that is going to hit for a high average. I, I think Sam Faith is – one of the things that he definitely is is he's definitely a pro guy. Uh, I think his coach believes that wholeheartedly. I believe that. And I think that he's going to have some opportunities to play at the next level. Uh, I thought, well, I'll take a pitcher, you know, because that's that's kind of the thing that I do at this. And went back and forth on it and decided, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to take a pitcher. Cody, I, I really genuinely think that there's a hole, and, and, and maybe it's because I've been to the stadium and I think they're – I, I know that you can hit at this ballpark, but I, I think that Oklahoma City and Cross Factor is going to be a special player next year. 364 last season, 32 hits, 12 of those left the yard, 46 RBIs. He walked more than he struck out. He had an OBP of higher than 450. He had 
perfect on stolen bases. Uh, defensively, cross factor. I mean, he he scored as many, almost as many runs as he had hits. Uh, they're missing a big piece in that lineup, and they're looking for somebody to step up. And I think him and Gunnar Halter have that opportunity. It's just who do you hit behind who, and who do you who do you want to pitch to more? So I think cross factor. You know, I've had several coaches within the Sooner Athletic Conference vote him as you know who they believed was going to be the conference MVP in that conference. So I'm I'm really thinking that's kind of who I'm going with. And and maybe it it sounds a little bit out of left field because we didn't discuss it earlier, but I think cross factor is going to be going to be a definite dude for Oklahoma City and then across the nation next year. Yeah, I mean, he's super talented. I mean, this was a kid that was playing for Oklahoma State in the Big 12 in 2019. Uh, huge expectations out of high school. Obviously delivered at OCU last year. Uh, Gunnar Halter, you mentioned him too. I mean, he was a Mississippi State transfer. I mean, Oklahoma City is one thing they do. They recruit very well. They recruit at a high level. They get a lot of kickbacks that are extremely talented. I mean, obviously, Tyler Williams, you're talking about the hole they're going to have to fill. Tyler Williams was an incredible player for them. But, yeah, I don't think they'll miss a beat offensively. I think you play in that lineup in that ballpark, and for the, those coaches, I mean, they're going to hit and they're going to score some runs. Cody, before we get going and moving on to next week and get ready to watch the action, Kaiser leading Weber International 7-1. Of course, while we're recording this, we're, we're both getting to watch some NAI baseball. Can I get your final thoughts as we head into this weekend and finish out our first episode of the season? Obviously, a lot of dialogue in this episode between us. Yeah, I'm just excited for it to get going, man. I can't wait for people to like clip us and tell us how wrong we were because we're going to be wrong. It's inevitable. I mean, we can't predict the future, and especially this year of all years, it's going to be super tough. But I'm just excited we're getting going. Uh, Wayland Baptist at Mid American Nazarene, that's probably the series I'm looking forward to the most. You know, Mid American Nazarene's a team's ranked in the top 25 now. Wayland Baptist obviously has the star power. Uh, they played four games last year to open season, they split two to two. I think it's going to be a competitive series. Uh, friends at Texarkana. Friends obviously opened up with a sweep, which is nice. Texarkana is a, you know, a sneaky good team in the RRAC. So that's a nice little non-conference matchup. I'm looking forward to that one as well. And I'm just glad games are back. I think you mentioned it at the top half. It's just, it kind of snuck up on us this season. I mean, like Before I knew it, it's time for NAIA baseball. And uh, that's exciting, man. And I'm just looking forward to every single week more teams keep playing. It did. And I think, I think it's the fact that you know, you can look at DAC stats and you see that there's maybe 40 teams on there out of like 160. And you feel like, ah, you know what? We're still a long way away. And and you keep seeing teams post countdowns that are more than two weeks away. So it, it's, it has kind of snuck up on us this season. And we're, I mean, I'm pumped. You're pumped to get this season going there. There's some really good matchups this weekend. It's going to continue to get better and better and more and more as we continue on with the year. So I am Really, really excited to see this season get underway, to see us continue this podcast. Don't forget to send all of your hate mail to at NAI Ball across all platforms because that's really where he wants it to be. But, Cody, it's my favorite time of the year. It's it's uh, sleeping on us season. So that officially means that we are back. We are ready to play some baseball. We've got baseball on the TV right now. We've got baseball on our minds. We've got baseball on the podcast. We are absolutely excited. So again, thank you to Cody Butler for joining me. You can reach him at all of his social media with NAI Ball, at NAI Ball on Twitter and Instagram. That's at NAI Ball. Be sure to like, subscribe, and rate the podcast. Download it. 
download it, download it, unsubscribe, resubscribe, do it all over again, undownload it, redownload it, as you will continue to help us grow and grow and grow the podcast and grow the brand of not just NAI ball, but of covering small college baseball overall and covering, you know, just this incredible thing that we are now in year four of. So for Cody Butler, I'm Robbie Gutierrez. You can reach me at RobG1063. That's at RobG1063 on Twitter to talk NAI baseball at any time throughout the day, throughout the night, whatever. We are always here for you. We hope you enjoyed Season 4, Episode 1, and we're excited to be back with you next week with Episode 2. So until then, we hope you have a great day and an even better tomorrow. Stay safe. We'll talk to you soon.